Good day to you, wherever you may be. Thank you so much for joining us. We are thrilled that you are here. This is The Production Room, brought to you by Replay, the collective marketing agency. On this show, you can expect to hear us talk about marketing best practices, business development strategies, and ways to better serve your customers and those that you work with. My name is Sam Smith. I'm the head of growth operations here at Replay, and I am your host. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the seventh episode of The Production Room. We are super excited for you to join us here. We hope that you're well. I'm joined here in The Production Room by my co-host, Mikhail Alphon, who is our head of content strategy, and Nelson Dale, who is our director of content marketing. Um, We're in here today, and we're going to talk about something that's really relevant to the times. We're here to talk about NFL. It is back in season. We are fired up about it. I know there's a lot of football fans out there that are fired up as well. It's a long break being away from football fans, uh, being away from football. And I know that the football fans out there that um, who your team didn't do as well last year, maybe they tried to position themselves for a, a higher draft pick or who knows, it's all fresh start. So it's a great place as an NFL fan to be right here right now because everybody's in it, which is really exciting. But one of the things we really want to talk about here is just the successful advertising that takes place in NFL. And uh, I know that we all look forward to the NFL season when it comes around because the commercials get better. Um, geez, it's a lot of fun. And uh, they do that on purpose um, because they know that there's a lot of people watching them. So the advertising spots are going for like 40 million plus for a 30 second spot um, during some of these high games, especially like on Sunday night or Monday night football or the Thursday night games. Um, these are high ticket places where there's a lot of eyeballs and a lot of brands are vying uh, for the attention there. Um, and so in an, in an article, um, Ad Age, uh, came up with uh, a poll that shows that 50% of Americans are professional football fans. So, you know, you're talking 150 million plus. Um, and that, that dwarfs any other sport when you look at these things. Football draws a huge audience, and they've done an incredible job um, of expanding their reach through things like fantasy football. Um, and advertisers have done a good job of really kind of targeting those demographics and speaking to those demographics because the reach has just absolutely exploded. The NFL has done an incredible job at that. Um, uh, the, the NFL is doing a great job when it comes to uh, bringing on advertisers that are targeting lots of different demographics. Um, they have a partnership with Miller Coors, um, which reaches people age of 21, right? Uh, football games are, are a great time to drink. Um, a lot of people get involved in that, especially at the parties, during the pregames, uh, the um, tailgating parties. And their losses. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, so definitely alcohol plays a huge role. You see a lot of, uh, you see a lot of beer, uh, beer advertisements, and Miller Coors is, is really kind of speaks to that demographic. But they also have deals with Pepsi, right? <clears throat> so they are speaking to, you know, the younger demographics, people that don't drink and people that aren't able to legally drink. Um, and they're even targeting younger demographics than that with Dannon. Uh, Dannon this year uh, has a retail promotion that is encouraging kids to search for one of the six golden Danimals bongo bottles um, for a chance to win a field day for their school with NFL players. So, you know, they're they're doing some really cool things to kind of really bring in the younger audience, people that are searching. Um, we see them all over Instagram and Snapchat. Um, NFL is huge in leveraging those platforms, very visual, and they're reaching those younger demographics because, as we said, 
the NFL is re- reaching more people than ever right now, and they're doing a good job of capitalizing on that. They also got um, uh, a uh, brand like Tide. We wash our clothes. If those of you that use Tide, you understand that. Tide's a household name. Um, but they sponsor the NFL's um, history of team colors content. So they ask players to tweet and post about the brightness and durability of washing their uniforms uh, with Tide that that, that provides there. So um, if someone's favorite player uses Tide, the hope is that they'll want to use it too. Um, so Nelson, when companies, you know, have a lot of different demographics they're trying to target, what do they need to do to make sure that they're successful? I think, uh, the main thing is to make sure that you're coming out with that idea of uh, targeting a, a wide audience. So when you're coming into football season, for example, you want to make sure you're gearing it around, you know, those opening games and then gear it around holidays and gear it around these bigger kind of events. Trends I mean, and hot topics. Yeah, exactly. And then you want to go into more of a targeted uh, demo on your social media maybe and then uh, target out ads to like male or female or kids or whatever you want to do. It's more selective, I think, on social media. But you definitely want to make sure that you're hitting the the um, higher points like holidays and things like that. Gotcha. So a lot of people, I mean, we follow. I mean, there's people that we follow, people that inspire us, whether they be celebrities or athletes. And celebrities and athletes and icons, public figures have always played a role in advertising. It draws a lot of eyeballs, gives a lot of credibility to the brand. And if there's millions of followers, uh, is there Mar- Mario just cruised in, guys? He's another co-host. Uh, Mikhail's trying to get taller on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you just say dramatic ma- magic mushroom? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, so, you know, we're talking about influencer marketing is huge. It's absolutely exploding. We've got people like Kim Kardashian making five, six figures a a tweet, which is ridiculous. Um, Instagram posts, top people with millions of followers on Instagram making millions of dollars a post. This is ridiculous. Uh, I wish we could try to figure that out. I wish I (laughs) certainly could. Um, But, you know, Michaela, do you think that that using well-known celebrities, players, public figures is an effective way to get people to purchase products, buy services, follow brands, become brand advocates? Yeah, I mean it's it's tried and true, and it is proven. And I th- I think it's great that you you defined it as influencer marketing because a lot of people in the ad space or marketing think that this is a new term. It's something that's been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. You take somebody, you take like Air Jordans, for example, right? That was like maybe maybe one of the most iconic sneakers of all time, type of thing. The most, exactly. And people are buying that because there is a name attached to that. So I think with brands, whether it be football, Tide, or whatever it is. It's like it's giving the audience. I mean, purchasing decisions are made on two factors, right? It's in your mind and in your heart. Mm. And if you can tell somebody like, man, I can dunk from the free throw line if I put on these Jordans, you know what I mean? They're much more likely to buy because you're giving them a feeling of a community. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, you're connecting them more personally with somebody that they look up to. Gotcha. So the influencer marketing thing is not new. We just have this. uh, We've assigned sort of this this uh, this new label to it because with the with the expanse of the channels facebook twitter instagram snapchat youtube there's a lot of different channels it's not just tv and radio anymore right mm-hmm. and that if there's if there's just tv and radio then that means that there's a finite amount of hours um, and a finite amount of spots and ad space and ad inventory and so a lot of the big brands were leveraging um, these celebrities and, and, and public figures. But now 
any company can do it because of the amount of channels that are out there mm -hmm. um, and the ability to really there's there's people that are experts in a lot of different things a lot of they influence a lot of people they don't have to have millions and millions of followers right. to have an effect and, and have an impact on your marketing campaign i think that we can agree that at, when we come back to the sport of football here in the nfl you know traditionally we may have considered it to be uh to really trend towards the male demographic um but a study that came out from forbes recently shows that over the past few years the league has seen women grow to 44 percent of its fan base with 60 percent of females over the age of 12 identifying themselves as NFL fans. So that gets back to the point of you see all these different brands that are leveraging NFL sort of content. They're targeting NFL fans because it's it's grown and it's expanded its reach. Um, we see recent trends with like brands like Victoria's Secret and, and, and Nike. Um, they make apparel for for these for these NFL teams now. So if you're a woman, you know you don't fight it anymore. You don't not go to that. And if you don't go to your 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 boyfriend or your or your husband's friend's house for that party, they're coming now and they're wearing the gear. Yeah, you know it's huge. Um, so Nelson, I mean, when there's a product or a brand that is geared towards one gender more than the other. How does that affect the types of mediums used to advertise? And do you use different strategies when it comes to targeting men versus targeting women? I think you do. I think uh, one of the best moves that the NFL made when targeting women, um, this is a few years ago, is they partnered up with uh, breast cancer awareness. Mm -hmm. And so through October, you'll see like pink cleats and pink right. towels and things like that. So it made made them feel like, you know, hey, women are, are involved in this yes. too as well. And the funny thing is, uh, with that number and statistic for uh, women more watching football, I think it has to do with a lot of fantasy football. Mm. And I think it has to do with a lot of women coming in and drafting players and controlling men. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, no, I think I think it's it's an awesome factor. Um, the fact that I can sit down with my wife and she's really involved into the game and they've done a really great job. I think when you're really targeting a one one demographic you gotta you gotta make sure that you leave in mind that hey this could be open to on both ends yeah so i think if you steer too hard to the left you know you got to make sure that that you have a little bit of, of room for that what could come out to the right so male or female but i think influencer marketing marketing is a great um you know great avenue to take especially when you're yeah, if you're coming up with a sports apparel brand, it's great to get in with like uh, small, smaller like bodybuilders and things like that. Show them active. Show them using your sports apparel brand in the gym and things like that. Um, I think it's an easier avenue now than it was ten years ago. And another factor is a lot of people, I think, don't watch commercials during games that much anymore because you got things like Directv with the uh, Sunday ticket. Mm -hmm. So you're flipping through. So the avenue I think is better on social media because that attention is for that that celebrity that you let you idolize. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of it speaks to the user behavior in the sense that when a commercial comes on, what do we do? Boom. Go to our phone, right? Yep. And mm -hmm. so these brands that are leveraging multiple channels that are understanding that it is a cross-screen experience now between users, we go back and forth between things and being able to leverage that stuff is huge and important. And I, and I like how you talked about uh, you you brought up fantasy football. Fantasy football has done incredible things for football, for the NFL, in the oh, sense yeah. of really sort of opening its opening its audience. Um, because that's true. With my wife, my wife and I 
are, are in a fantasy football league. We have been for the last couple of years. And it is, it's really cool to, on Sundays, to be able to sit there and be like, oh, how are your receivers doing? Oh, yeah. oh you got, you know, Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger just threw a touchdown. He's on your team. And then when you face each other in your league, if you guys are in the same league, I mean, it's it's been a really cool thing. And it has it has opened that up. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely widened. And what the cool thing about fantasy football, and when you think from like an overall fan perspective, is maybe you used to watch the games and you'll watch uh, one morning game, one night game, let's say, for, or your favorite team. Uh, your favorite team loses, maybe you turn off the TV. Not anymore. You know, fantasy football, you're watching right. all the games. You're now connected yeah. to teams that you hated in the past. That's an cr- like, incredible point. Yeah, that's for me, I point. hate the Raiders, so, but I mean, I have uh, Mari Cooper on my team, so I definitely want him to score. I just don't want him to beat my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's funny, man. Uh, it, it, you had mentioned earlier before the show started, you talking about Yahoo. Yeah. We were talking about Yahoo and how essentially as a search platform, when you compare it and put it up to Google and even Bing, it's it's a non-factor, right? Yeah. You used to say Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and then now you just say Google, Bing, Yahoo's out of that. But there was an acquisition that took place. Walk us, t- Tell us a little bit about that acquisition and how fantasy football played a role. Well, um, Verizon, who definitely wasn't in the mix of kind of a search platform, um, was looking for, I think, to explore other options for themselves. And when it first came out that Yahoo got built, bought by for $4 billion, mm-hmm. a lot of the, like, uh, the news and headlines were, this is a sad deal. You know, they've seen the death of Yahoo and it's not growing. But little do they know the back end of the fantasy sports in general, because we're not just talking about football, we're talking about baseball, mm-hmm. we're talking about basketball. Yeah. Their platform is great. They've really put a lot of money into it and, and they've expanded a lot of things. So that acquisition was made for for sports. Sure. Like, don't, there's no question at yeah. all. Right. Especially because now user behavior goes from the big screen to the screen in your hand, mm-hmm. right? So it just it adds that extra, uh, it adds an extra platform to advertise to, like mm-hmm. fantasy sports. I mean, I was on one ESPN one. The, by the way, the guy in the pink shirt obviously not contributing very much, to this. <laughs> but like, <laughs> there's some truth to what's happening right now. But it's like you go on, you go on ABC, or I mean, you go on ESPN, you go on Yahoo Sports. There's banner ads all over the thing. Yeah. For uh, for advertisers to put their stuff on, so they're taking the advertisement here and yeah. putting it back here. So there's a lot of uh, opportunity for revenue and a lot of opportunity for extra eyeballs. Yeah. Um, you I mean, know, by th- this is how dialed it in, how dialed in they are. So um, I was ninth pick, and when I came on for ninth pick, there was a guy who came up with a suggestion for ninth pick, and at the end they they uh, went ahead and threw in a Toyota ad at the end. <laughs> so that's how dialed in nice. you know yeah. the, the advertisers are. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, and for Yahoo, the that those these fantasy sports platforms open up, like you had mentioned, a bunch of more ad inventory to sell, yeah. right? So totally. I mean, it's a, it's a huge revenue ad sales uh, play for them too. Um, so Fox News had said that advertisers are, as I had mentioned earlier in the show, they're paying forty million dollars for a thirty-second spot. Uh, that's insane. Uh, in 2017, that's the going rate. So compared to other sports, football, um, the season is actually relatively short. You've got baseball that goes from the beginning of April all the way through the end of October. Um, they play 162 regular season games. It's insane. Um, and then you've but the, but you've got football, who is a shorter season. They play 16 games, right? Um, it goes from the beginning of September until about the end of December, which is when the regular season and then, or actually the playoffs start in December, right? Yeah. Towards the end of December. 
So there's a shorter period of time, which means there's less inventory for ad space as when you're talking about over the course of the season. Um, so, Mikhail, what do companies need to keep in mind when creating advertising content to make sure that they're getting their point across quickly and effectively? Well, because, it, you know, and if we're, if we're talking about television advertisement, but I think this can, this can actually span to social media as well. The attention span, as we can see, is getting a lot shorter between uh, between plays, between games, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. right? You were mentioning how on, uh, what is it, NFL ticket, mm -hmm. right? You can scroll between games. And so if there is that moment, you have to catch their attention within two seconds. Mm -hmm. There's not a long, there's not a big uh, area to tell a huge story. So leading with something very exciting, if it's not your pro product first, which is probably gonna turn off mm -hmm. a lot of people, but leading with something exciting that's attention grabbing is very important, making sure that you get uh, the user's attention um, again, within two seconds. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, like advertisers for in smaller companies, uh, small to medium-sized brands that are, let's say they're in geographically specific areas. So let's mm -hmm. say there's a team that's in the Phoenix area, right? Or there's a company in the Phoenix area, right? Do you? What are your suggestions? I mean, is there is there an advantage to maybe creating an ad or a campaign that speaks specifically to Arizona Cardinal fans? Sure. Or that's you, funny that you were thinking that. I was thinking red in my head. They're red, right? Yeah, they're red. Yeah. So I mean, as far as like, I mean, like making a making a, you know a comment about you know Sunday's game or mm -hmm. putting in your ad copy something that speaks specifically to Cardinal fans. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I think that that's how you tug at somebody's heart, right? right. It's it's your essentially using influencer marketing, but you probably don't have licensing to use the actual player. But uh, with Facebook ads, you can get so targeted that you can you can do, like if you're a local business, for example, um, you know, instead of the Cardinals, let's go here because I know the demographic, right? So if you're in Costa Mesa and Orange County, you might be a Chargers fan. Yeah. So to put out something that in the ad copy, it says something about Chargers, and then in addition to that, you have the the blue and the yellow in the, in the ad as well, yeah. you're very likely to capture the attention of of that user, especially if it's during the time of the game. Yeah. Their mindset in that moment is all about the Chargers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's very effective, and um, people should look at getting very granular <laughs> with their ad targeting because they can. Yeah. You know, so. And in speaking, <clears throat> and it speaks to being relevant in the moment, in the time, mm -hmm. right? And being not just sitting back and just letting something run forever or whatever. It's being specific, speak specifically to who your audience is and what they care about. Um, and then position the messaging in such a way that's relevant, right? If mm -hmm. you're talking about the Chargers while on Sunday, then you're going to get a lot of opportunity to really engage people based on what they're interested in and catch their attention. Yeah. Well, I know Nike, when they went back and targeted a lot of stuff for um, uh, Facebook, they, they went and targeted just locations based on teams and eventually created like pages and advertisement just for those areas based on those teams and mm -hmm. for apparel. Yeah, no, it's it's super smart, and it's it's uh, it's a way to really be on the ball and differentiate yourself from your competitors is to use those things that are that are common among those audiences yeah. and speak specifically to them and try to catch their attention. That's that's really that's that's a really smart marketing play. It might be something that a lot of our clients and a lot of our viewers and listeners want to take advantage of and think about when they start building campaigns here around the NFL season. So great stuff, guys. Awesome. Um, love talking about sports, especially NFL. Mm -hmm. Gets me fired up. In a couple of days, we'll get opportunity to uh, spend a 
five, six, or seven hours in front of the TV watching football. <laughs> I'll probably cruise down to brunch, too. That's what we all do here, my wife and I. So I appreciate you guys coming on. I really hope that our viewers and listeners enjoyed the episode seven of The Production Room. We thank you so much for joining us. It means a lot to us um, that you're here. Um, my name is Sam Smith, and from all of us here at Replay, don't stop growing. Don't ever, ever stop.